Hey everybody, welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer. We've got another great show for you today. We're continuing our Top 10 Prospects podcast series with the Seattle Mariners. And to do that, we are joined by Bill Mitchell. Bill authored the Mariners Prospect Handbook chapter for us this year, has done it for a couple of years. Bill, over the last few years, the Mariners system has completely transformed. They went on a full-on rebuild after 2018. They traded away pretty much every veteran they could. They brought back as many prospects as they could. And now you have a really, really strong system, which, you know, it's crazy to me. I was thinking back. I remember doing the Mariners prospect handbook chapter in 2016 and the midseason update in 2017. And I remember while making calls for the midseason update in 2017, it was very, very difficult to find 10 legitimate prospects. I remember speaking to people throughout Mariners player development, trying to find more than eight prospects and it kept coming back. We don't have 10 good prospects. Finding a 10th guy was incredibly difficult. And now look at them. They have a star studded top seven. They're a deep system. Obviously the major league team has fallen off, but the system looks good. And as they enter 2021, it seems like they're a franchise on the rise. Oh, you brought back some memories. When I took it over the next year, I think to the 20, after the 2017 season is when I uh, first did the Mariners report. And that was a very frustrating start because, as you said, it was hard to find 10 good prospects, but I found enough. But before we even went to press, uh, Jerry Depoto made a bunch of trades, and I think four or five of those guys got traded away, and it became even more difficult. Uh, I'd have to look back at who I had in that 2017 list, but when I compare it to what they have now, it's, it's just so much better. And the reason they underwent this rebuild is, again, they had some good teams in the major leagues. They won 89 games in 2018. They won 86 games in 2016, 87 games in 2014, but it wasn't enough, and the Mariners now have the longest postseason drought of any North American sports franchise. And they are also now the only team in Major League Baseball to never reach a World Series, with the Nationals reaching a World Series in 2019 and winning it. I think the question every Mariners fan wants to know is, when is this drought ending? What's the timeline for these guys to get to the majors and make the Mariners a postseason team again for the first time since 2001? Well, we need to look at who they have near the top and how many – are the, how many of these players are close to contributing at the big league level? Uh, Julio Rodriguez is probably another year or two away, certainly. Uh, Jared Kalnick certainly could be up in 2021. It's possible. He still has some things to work on, too, just like any prospect. He and J-Rod both had some uh, development uh, goals for this year. Where they stand out more is for their advanced college pitching they've taken. And I fully expect Logan Gilbert to be up in the big leagues uh, if not at the beginning of 2021, uh, certainly before too long. Uh, you've also got, uh, but then you've got Emerson Hancock, who has not pitched yet. You have George Kirby, who in 2019, after being drafted, pitched, uh, I think it was like 28 innings or something like that. So there aren't a lot of guys ready to make that jump forward. I, I would say it's, it's going to be another couple of years. So with that, 
there were some promising developments in the major leagues this year, namely Kyle Lewis winning American League Rookie of the Year unanimously. We saw Justice Sheffield go out and have a very nice year as well. So uh, there are some young players to work with. Marco Gonzalez, again, had a nice season. We saw guys like Evan White make their debut. It wasn't pretty, but he got up to the majors, and now we'll see how he adjusts. So we are starting to see some players come up. They made some trades, sold off a little bit the deadline, brought some guys back. Ty France had a very strong Mariners debut after coming over in the Austin Nola trade. So there are some players to work with here, but there's no question now it's about getting the guys in the farm system up. I want to dive into this farm system. Julio Rodriguez and Jared Kalanick are two of the best prospects in the game. For the second straight year, Julio ranked ahead of Kalanick. There's always a lot of debate about which one of these guys is number one, which one of these guys is number two. Ultimately, based on your discussions with evaluators, both inside and outside the Mariners organization, what was it that pushed Julio to number one ahead of Kalanick for the second straight year, even after he missed a lot of the summer with a wrist injury? It's the ceiling. And I go back to a year ago when I was doing this list. And at first I had Kalanick ranked ahead of, uh, of Julio Rodriguez. But as I talked to scouts, polled people who had seen them, we went with the ceiling of J-Rod. Now, I know that's, there are other lists that have Kelnick ahead of them. And quite frankly, that's a good uh, dilemma for the Mariners to have. They don't need to worry about it. They can put them out in the field and let them you know, see who uh, turns out the best. And if they get two perennial all-stars out of it, who cared whether they rank one or two? But um, this year, there, there weren't a lot of scouts that were able to see Kalanick. Uh, Julio Rodriguez came to Instructional League in Arizona in October, October time frame, and he, he looked a little worn out perhaps. Uh, there's some concerns with his swing, but yeah, he still has the tools and everything. So this year it was more like, okay, what did they do the year before? Uh, I really didn't have a lot of resources. And you know, besides talking to Mariners staff, I didn't have a lot of resources to say, oh, absolutely, Kalnick should be ahead of, uh, of Julio or Julio should be ahead of Kalnick. Yeah, again, it's a good problem to have. You have two tremendously talented prospects. And in a lot of cases, these guys would both be the number one prospect for the vast majority of teams in Major League Baseball, Julio was a product of an international signing class. Kalanick was a product of a trade. So again, once we really saw in 2018, that was the class they signed Julio. Then after the season as part of their sell-off, they traded Edwin Diaz and Robinson Cano to the Mets. Kalanick was one of the players they got back. So that's when things started to turn, that 2018 offseason. And these are the two guys who represent that the most. It's fair to say these were the two guys that were in their own stratosphere, if you will, in the debate for number one. But you go to Logan Gilbert and Emerson Hancock, and these are two pitchers who I can think of some other systems. They would each be number one, just given Logan Gilbert got up to double A in his first full season, was one of the best pitchers in the minor leagues by every statistical measure. And Emerson Hancock was a top 10 pick this year in the draft, who has a lot of pedigree as, as a very well-known high schooler, pitched in a major program in Georgia, and once again was pretty unanimously seen as one of the top five or six players in this draft class. Uh, take us through these guys. And were these two kind of the next year all to themselves? Did it stretch below them? How did these guys kind of stack up? Yeah, I think it's, it was easy to put them three and four. Uh, Gilbert's got the history that we can see. He's gone. He's, he's gotten as high as double A. And like you said, I was about to say that before that uh, in some organizations, Logan Gilbert would be a legit number one prospect. So when you look at the Mariners list, they have, three guys that really could be number one prospects. Um, Hancock, after he came on board with the Mariners, he more 
less pitching and more assimilating to the organization. Uh, he came to the alternate camp and uh, was also in Arizona for the fall instructs, but he didn't pitch in games. I, I believe he, um, his, even uh, pitching bullpens was somewhat limited. Uh, they said he really bonded with Logan Gilbert. He, uh, so I'm sure he learned a lot just by being around the, the older players, and it's going to help him uh, when we get into next season. Yeah, realistically, what are the potential ceilings for these two? And again, it's always tricky with pitchers, right? No one ever expected Jacob deGrom and Corey Kluber to become multiple-time Cy Young Award winners when they were in their mid-20s in AAA. So pitchers especially, I mean, projecting any prospect is difficult and guys exceed expectations all the time, but that's especially true with pitchers. Realistically, though, what can these guys expect? Because as much as you have two tremendous position players in Kalanick and Rodriguez and you need that, we see over and over again that having that frontline starting pitching is pretty critical to reaching a World Series and winning it, which for the Mariners especially is the ultimate goal. The positive with Gilbert is that he took, you know, he was already, he already had a good season in 2019, but he took some steps forward at the alternate site. Uh, he improved his changeup, uh, the, um, uh, which now that projects as a plus pitch. That gives him three plus pitches to go with the fastball and the curveball. And one of the advantages with Gilbert is his pitches play up because of his pitchability. So not only does he have good stuff, he gets great extension on his pitches, but he's a smart pitcher. He, he'll, uh, like I said, the pitches will play up. These are two interesting arms. And again, plug them in potentially with Marco Gonzalez and Justice Sheffield. I think you have the makings of what could be a solid rotation. Uh, but again, Emerson Hancock has yet to make his professional debut. Logan Gilbert got to double A at the end of his first full season, still has to put together a resume against upper level hitters. So there's obviously always risk, but when you're starting with these two at the top of your system, there's no question you're in a pretty good place. All right, Bill, I want to jump deeper into this system with you, but first a quick word from our sponsors. And we're back with Bill Mitchell breaking down the Seattle Mariners top 10 prospects and their farm system. Moving down, you get into... An interesting group. Noelvi Marte was a very, very highly regarded international signee, um, led the DSL in total bases, his pro debut. Uh, obviously was not able to make his stateside debut this year due to the coronavirus pandemic, but someone a lot of people are high on. Guys like Taylor Trammell and George Kirby. Trammell has been a top 100 prospect in the past. Kirby is kind of on his way up to that. He's not there yet, but there are some people out there who think he could be in the future. Take us through this group. Was this the clear five to seven or were there more guys in the discussion here? No, I, this is the, the clear group. And Marte, I talked to scouts and he was here for, he was in Arizona for instructional league uh, and he played every day, played shortstop every game. And I, I, scouts said that were covering the Mariners. I talked to them and to a man, they said all-star potential, potential with Marte. Uh, there was a difference as to whether he stays at shortstop because he's gotten pretty strong and big and uh, he's he slowed down a bit. Uh, does he go to third base? Regardless, he's projected as uh, an all-star candidate. And the scout who said, I think he goes to third base, he clarified it by saying, but our organization likes fleet, nimble shortstops where other organizations would be willing to take uh, Marte's lack, or not lack of range, but uh, less range and leave him at shortstop and get the bat there. But uh, he's gotten stronger. Uh, his arm is a plus arm. It's accurate. He, um, he uses all fields. And for a, let's see, how old is he? He's, uh, 
he just turned 19 years old for a, a kid that age to be able to, to have the, the uh, hit ability to use all fields. That says something. Yeah, I know he's someone that a lot of people are very, very excited about. And I, I'll be curious to see if he can follow Julio Rodriguez on this path of uh, exceptional international signings by the Mariners. Again, it, it's not fair to put that on a kid who has yet to make his stateside debut, but there's no question a lot of people see the potential there. The top seven players in the system, as we've discussed, not all of them are going to be on the top 100, but they're all players who are seen as being top 100-ish. One of the guys in that group is Taylor Trammell. He was acquired in the trade with the Padres for Austin Nola. What is his status right now based off your reporting? Because he's kind of been on a roller coaster. It was interesting because uh, in, in talking to scouts when I first ran into them uh, out near the field, I couldn't get on the field because uh, media was not allowed, but I had some van- distant vantage points and I'd talk to the scouts when they came in. And the first thing they said, oh, Tramel, I'm kind of down on him now. But then when I drilled in, it really, really weren't down on him. It was, I think it was more of their opinions of him had changed. Uh, I know the Mariners were pleasantly surprised with his defense when he uh, joined their alternate site late in the season. Uh, They feel he can stay in center field. Uh, Before, he was going to be limited to left field because his arm is below average. Uh, uh, At best, it's a a 40 arm, and that might even be stretching a little bit. But uh, it would be enough for center field. He um, showed better instincts and roots in the outfield than he had before, which was was good. Uh, He was taking good at bats. He was striking out a a good bit in uh, Instructional League. But uh, there's still a good chance. There's still a chance he's going to get to that plus plus raw power in games. There's just still some some holes in his swing, some adjustments he needs to make. Give him a full year in AAA, and then we'll assess it again. But uh, character and makeup and work ethic are good. You know, I've I first met Taylor when he right after he got drafted, uh, and he was playing for Billings in a Pioneer League, and yeah, he's just a, a, a class act. Yeah, he's someone that's always been very very highly regarded just as a person and. I think someone that is very easy to root for and will be interesting to see how he looks in 2021 in AAA's first full season with his new organization. Cause I think he's someone that a lot of people are looking at with a curious eye just to see what he ends up becoming. Bill, we mentioned these top seven kind of all being that top 100 ish tier. Again, not all are going to be in there, but they're all in the conversation. The 8-10 to 10 group, how many players were in the mix here? Were these clearly the guys, or were there other players in consideration? Because there is some depth in this system. These were clearly the, clearly the guys. Uh, Cal Raleigh, there were even some pushes to put him up a little bit higher, uh, but I think we need to see, uh, will he handle better velocity? Uh, will he be able to stay behind the plate? It's a big body, and it's uh, uh, not getting any smaller. But... Um, he had a, a strong instructional league. Granted, he was pitching or batting against lesser company, you know, uh, less experienced pitching. But I think every time I could peek into the field, he was hitting a home run. Uh, so Raleigh was a question. He could have gone up a little higher, but I wanted to keep him right where he was at. Uh, the one that uh, really stood out for scouts totally was Juan Ten. That uh, there was no question that he was in the top ten. Uh, he. Uh, the velocity was up. His fastball was sitting 96 to 97. Uh, there's a good chance he can stay in the rotation. If you remember, he was the guy that they signed out of the Mariners signed out of the Dominican 
uh, let's see what year was it, 2016. And then they traded him in a deal to the Yankees to get a relief pitcher. I can't even remember his name now, but uh, it didn't quite work out. Uh, when they wanted to unload Edwin Encarnacion, they got 10 back, and they're very glad to have him. Uh, we're looking, he could be a mid-rotation starter. And then the 10th guy, Andres Munoz, obviously we didn't see him this year. He had Tommy John surgery in spring training, but we know what he can do. Uh, and you, you've done the Padres uh, reports in the past, their prospect reports. So you know as much about Andres Munoz as anybody outside the organization. It's a you know, triple digit fastball and he's got closure potential. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an exceptionally fast harm and there's a lot of power there. It's just, there was long a sense that there was serious injury red flags. He'd had a PRP, finally had Tommy John surgery. And we just have to see what it looks like when he comes back. But there's no question. He's a very, very, very talented young flamethrower. And if the control is there and he returns fully healthy, you're looking at a potential closer. Again, we just have to kind of see how it all comes back. Bill, looking back, I went back and pulled up that Mariners 2017 top 30 and uh, this was the first one I did for BA. And you're looking at three or four guys who've actually become, you know, decent, solid big leaguers with a fairly normal role. Kyle Lewis, Mitch Hanniger, Dan Vogelbach, and Ryan Yarborough. Tyler O'Neill has reached the major leagues, won a gold glove this year, although he has some serious questions as a hitter and did not have that bat in the postseason with the Cardinals this year. I mean, that's pretty much it. You got a couple guys who, who have reached the majors in spurts. Ben Gamble is here. He's settled into a career as a backup. You have some relievers like James Pazos, but there's no question. There's not a whole lot here. Looking back, I actually just chuckled. I think my best pull in this one was actually at Pablo Lopez as their number 31 prospect. And this was before he had done much of anything. He had just wrapped up in the low class A Midwest League. So probably should have had him higher, but I got him on there ahead of time. So that was good. But I also never put him on an Arizona league list. So you, you, you weren't the only one to miss on him. Hey, I'll take it as a win that I had him on here at number 31 back when he was throwing 89, 91, but had some stuff to work with. But I mean, the point is you go back to this 2017 list and yeah, I mean, again, there are some good players here. Again, you start Lewis and Hanniger, you know, Yarborough and Vogelbach have carved out roles for themselves, but it's a lot more of the guys who never made it or made it for a couple of days than there are guys who became uh, bona fide bagel years, even in the context of that's true for most prospect lists. So it's fair to say the Mariners system has gotten a lot, lot, lot better since then. And again, this wasn't even the low point. The low point really was for the start of the 2018 season after they had traded away a lot more guys in one final buildup. So it's, moving in the right direction. And now we just have to see how it all kind of shakes out in the end. You mentioned this was a pretty clear cut top 10. I do want to ask who are some of the top guys and kind of the depth group? Cause I think we see every single year, there are guys who are ranked 12, 18, 24, who end up being better than some of the guys ranked ahead of them. I mean, I just listed some of them, even from that 2017 Mariners list. I had Ryan Yarborough 12 in retrospect, he should have been higher and talked about Pablo Lopez all the way down at 31. In retrospect, he's turned out to be one of the 10 best prospects they had at the time. I've got two names for you that uh, both rank in the teens. The people will see that when they get their prospect handbook. The biggest surprise of their fall instructional league program was Levi Stout. He was third round pick in 2019 out of Lehigh. Had Tommy John surgery right after he was drafted. 
So this was his Mariners debut this past fall. And he really, he was the, the hit of camp. And he's the one that the Mariners are looking at. He can be a top 10 guy by next year. Uh, he's got four good pitches. Uh, considering he was coming off TJ, his, his fastball was still 93 to 97, sitting 94. And that could tick up uh, another year away from surgery. Uh, curveball is an above average pitch. Changeup is a plus pitch. It's one of those uh, uh, split changeups that they throw with a Vulcan grip. Uh, which I always find that kind of an interesting description. Uh, he's got some uh, effort in his delivery, but the arm action is fluid. And he's, uh, he's got some pitchability and good field of pitch. So uh, I'm really anxious to see how he will do when he finally gets to an affiliate this year. I mean, you know, they'll probably start him at the low, low class A level. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he's able to take a jump because, again, there's always guys lower in systems who – end up being better than some of the guys ranked ahead of them. And I think anytime you have a system with this much top end talent and depth, there's a lot of guys who can jump at any point. So be very, very curious to see how a lot of these guys look going into the 2021 minor league season. Again, the Mariners, as you mentioned, probably still have another sub 500 year ahead of them. As we've talked about as incredible as Julio Rodriguez has looked, he still has yet to play above the class A levels Jared Kalanick got to double A at the end of the 2019 season, uh, but still hasn't had the consistent reps against upper level pitching over the course of a regular season. So there's still some development left there. We talked about the pitchers again, really good. Just development does take time. It does feel like there's a chance once we get into 2022, 2023, that that might be when some things start to open up for the Mariners. Is that a fair timeline? I would think so. Yeah, like I said, a couple of years away when you, uh, Gilbert maybe goes up in 2021. Uh, Hancock, you're probably looking at 22 or 23. Same thing for, with George Kirby. Uh, perhaps the other one I just mentioned, which is uh, um, Levi Stout. Plus you have some other pitchers they drafted in 2019. Brandon Williamson, who was on the top 10 last year and is just outside the top 10. And Isaiah Campbell, uh, he was a pitcher at Arkansas, has not pitched yet in any games, but uh, he's, he's got a workhouse, excuse me, a workhorse type body. So a lot of these pitchers are going to hit the big leagues at least by 2023, 20, if all comes together well. We will see if it does. Obviously, that's what the Mariners and their fans have been hoping for for a couple years now. And now it's just about going out and playing, but there's no question they've put together a very impressive farm system. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate your insight as always. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you for having me. All right, everyone. That'll do it for another Baseball America podcast. Go ahead and give us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever platform you're listening on. We'd love to hear from you. For Bill Mitchell, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, everybody. Mm-hmm.